following message is presented by Fellowship Bible Church from its weekly pulpit ministry. We offer an expositional study through entire books of the Bible, one verse, paragraph, or chapter at a time. We pray that you'll be blessed by listening in. Thanks for visiting. Good evening to those who are joining us online. For the Ezra chapter 3 is where we'll be this evening. Last time we looked at the last few verses of chapter 2 where the people uh, have been accounted for. They've been called out by their leaders, so to speak, in this kind of list here that we have of, uh, of folks who returned. And we saw at the end of chapter 2 that the people, some of the fathers of the houses gave free will offerings for the purpose of rebuilding the temple of God in Jerusalem. And, uh, and we spoke about some of that and, and the idea of giving freely for God's work. In chapter 3, then, uh, we move on and we find that the people of God are then gathered together in Jerusalem in the seventh month. Let me read this portion of God's word to you this evening and you can follow along in your copy. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 7 will be our text this evening. Beginning in verse 1, it says, And when the seventh month had come, the children of Israel were in the cities, and the people gathered together as one man to Jerusalem. Then Jeshua, or Joshua, the son of Jazadak, and his brethren, the priests, and Zerubbabel, the son of Shelatiel, and his brethren, arose and built the altar of the God of Israel to offer burnt offerings on it, as it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. Though fear had come upon them because of the people of those countries, they set the altar on its bases, and they offered burnt offerings on it to the Lord, both the morning and evening burnt offerings. They also kept the Feast of Tabernacles, as it is written, and offered the daily burnt offerings in the number required by ordinance for each day. Afterwards, verse 5, they offered the regular burnt offering, and those for the new moons and for all the appointed feasts of the Lord that were consecrated, and those of everyone who willingly offered a freewill offering to the Lord. From the first day of the seventh month, they began to offer burnt offerings to the Lord, although the foundation of the temple of the Lord had not been laid. Verse 7, they also gave money to the masons and the carpenters, and food, drink, and oil to the people of Sidon and Tyre to bring cedar logs from Lebanon to the sea, to Joppa, according to the permission which they had from Cyrus, king of Persia. Now, the seventh month of their calendar year was Tishri, that is our month, September through October, that kind of general time. And this was during the first year of the return to Jerusalem. We might assume that they arrived early in that year, and perhaps about six or five to six, seven months have passed since their arrival back to Judah. Probably, uh, as I just said, a few months had passed because we see them settling and establishing themselves in the cities surrounding Jerusalem and also in Jerusalem. If you look back at chapter 2, verse 70, it says, uh, the people, the priests, the Levites, the singers, the gatekeepers, and the Nethanim, or the servants, dwelt in their cities, all Israel in their cities. And so we see them establishing themselves within 
Jerusalem and the surrounding cities. But here in the seventh month, we see that the people are gathered together as one man to Jerusalem. This is the beginning of the restoration of proper worship in Jerusalem. The beginning of restoration of proper worship in Jerusalem. The people may have been summoned to gather in Jerusalem, perhaps by Zerubbabel, one of their leaders. The text doesn't tell us particularly why or how they all in one accord gathered, but it does tell us that they did so. Of course, the Jews would have known that historically the seventh month was filled with religious festivals that were to be held in Jerusalem, as the law of Moses prescribed them to do. So, as was the practice of their forefathers, the people gathered together as one to Jerusalem, as we see in verse 1. That figure of speech as one man obviously isn't to be taken literally. It is that, a figure of speech. And it demonstrates that the people were unified not only as a nation in a political sense, but also as the people of God. They were not gathering for war or for a civil meeting. They were gathered to what? To worship their true living God. It had been 50-odd years since the Jews had been able to obey God's command to gather together to Jerusalem to worship. Imagine that. We talked about that last time, not being able to gather as prescribed for that many years. We, we mentioned last time kind of the, the, uh, the, abs- the feeling of being absent during those few weeks that we shut down, so to speak, during the pandemic. And many of us were yearning to get back together, and it had only been two, three weeks. Imagine 50 years of no proper worship taking place as God had prescribed it. We know that uh, God desired them to worship, worship and to fellowship and to, to offer their sacrifices in Jerusalem. De- Deuteronomy chapter 12, excuse me. Deuteronomy chapter 12 says in verse 5, actually let me begin a little further back, verse one, these are the statutes and the judgments which you shall be careful to observe in the land which the Lord God of your fathers is giving you to possess all the days that you live on the earth. You shall utterly destroy all the places where the nations which you shall dispossess serve their gods on the high mountains and on the hills and under every green tree. And you shall destroy their altars, break their sacred pillars, and burn their wooden images with fire. You shall cut down the carved images of their gods and destroy their names from that place. You shall not worship the Lord your God with such things. Rather, verse 5, but you shall seek the place where the Lord your God chooses, which we know if we look further into the Old Testament, the time of David, that that place is Jerusalem, out of all your tribes to put his name for his dwelling. Place, and there, what? You shall go, and you shall what? You shall take your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, your heave offerings of your hand, your vowed offerings, your freewill offerings, and the firstborn of your herds and flocks. And there you shall eat before the Lord your God, and you shall rejoice in all 
to which you have put your hand, you and your households, in which the Lord your God has blessed you. This was the center of worship. Jerusalem, that is, was the center of worship for the people of God. That is where they gathered to exalt his name, to offer their sacrifices, to celebrate the festivals which God had prescribed for them to do. And finally, the people were here once again to restore that kind of proper worship that God had prescribed all the way back when the people first possessed the land under Moses' and Joshua's leadership. Now, as we consider the worship that is being restored here that we find in chapter 3, we note first that this worship is restored as prescribed in the law of Moses. Notice that this was not a disorganized kind of gathering of the people with disorganized worship. The religious and civil leaders of the people, Jeshua and Zerubbabel, did not allow the people to reconstruct the altar according to their own plans or offer whichever sacrifices they wished in whatever manner they wished or celebrate the religious festivals however they wanted to hold them or whenever they wanted to hold them. No, they, they did it under one authority. Notice what guided their worship and their offerings and all that proceeds. It is this the word of God. It is the law of Moses, God's word to his people, the covenant requirements for them. It is God's word that guided and was their authority for how they were to conduct their worship here in Jerusalem. God had given specific details concerning the place of worship, which we read about in Deuteronomy 12. Also concerning the altar and sacrifices that were to take place on that altar. Who was to to facilitate the sacrifices and how the festivals were to happen and take place. It was imperative that the returnees from exile would come back to the Mosaic Covenant and obey God's commands concerning worship in all all manners of their life. Why? Well, because the very reason they were in exile is because their forefathers had broken the covenant commands, had turned to other gods, and therefore God drove them into captivity. Their very disobedience caused them to be driven away from that place of worship that God had prescribed, Jerusalem. As we think about our own way of conducting our worship today, as the church, we recognize we are a different entity than Israel. But God still has nevertheless given us a way in which we are to conduct our worship, has he not? It is not a willy-nilly, half-baked kind of way in which we conduct ourselves in our worship It is not dictated by opinions of people, the culture, the world, or anything else besides the what? The authoritative word of God. The reason we teach what we do concerning Christ, God, the last things, the resurrection, the gospel, any area of doctrine, 
The reason we teach what we do, conduct our services the way we do, assemble together as one body, worship and sing, use our gifts to minister, pray together, all of this is done how? The way in which God has prescribed it to happen. We do what we do because God's word teaches us to do it that way. And likewise, in similar manner, that is what the people of God here we find in Ezra chapter 3 are doing. They are doing everything according to God's prescribed word so that they might obey and please him. So we see that the kind of worship being restored here is first a pres- being done as prescribed in God's word. Secondly, we see it being restored despite the opposition that they were facing. Look with me at verse 3. It says, Though fear had come upon them because of the people of those countries, they, we could say nevertheless, set the altar on its bases. They offered burnt offerings on it to the Lord, both morning and evening burnt offerings. The word at the beginning of verse 3, though, it could also be translated because of or even despite. I think that may be the best translation to use or word to use, despite fear that had come upon them because of the people of those countries. They nevertheless did what? They did what God had prescribed them to do. Despite the opposition, the peoples of those countries were probably foreigners from countries such as Ashdod or Samaria, Amnon or Moab or Edom, who had settled in the land of Judah, who were not uh, in favor of God's people reinstating their center of worship and, and establishing themselves as a nation under God's uh, under God's command there in Judah. Look back uh, with me just for a moment at Second Kings where we find uh, these, these foreigners being established in the land of Judah and probably descendants, most likely, of those who are now opposing them. In Second Kings chapter 17, in verse 24, beginning there, it says, 2 Kings 17, 24, Then the king of Assyria brought people from Babylon, uh, Kutha, Ava, Hamath, and, and from Sepharavim, and placed them in the cities of Samaria instead of the children. And they took possession of Samaria and dwelt in its cities. And it was so at the beginning of their dwelling there, notice this, that they did not fear the Lord, Therefore the Lord sent lions among them, which killed some of them. So they spoke to the king of Assyria, saying, The nations whom you have removed and placed in the cities of Samaria do not know the rituals of the God of the land. Therefore he has sent lions among them, and indeed they are killing them because they do not know the rituals of the God of the land. Then the king of Assyria commanded, saying, Send there one of the priests whom you brought from there. Let him go and dwell there, and let him teach them the rituals of the God of the land. Then one of the priests whom they had carried away from Samaria came and dwelled in Bethel and taught them how they should fear the Lord. 
However, they, every nation continued make, to make gods of its own and put them in the shrines on the high places which, Samar- which the Samaritans had made, every nation in the cities where they dwelt. What we read here is really uh, what we might call syncretism of uh, the rituals of God with the, the rituals of men as they desire to worship their own gods, yet still have some manner of understanding of how the people of God worshipped their god. And so it's probably that these descendants of these kind of people were in opposition of the Israelites as they reestablished themselves here in Jerusalem. Now the text, looking back at Ezra 3, does not tell us exactly why the people were afraid, these are somewhat vague, except that they may have thought that their reestablishment of the religious center there in Jerusalem could be perceived as a threat to foreigners who had their own way of doing things or didn't want a nation coming in and telling them what they must do or not do or, or, or grow in, their, in, in number and in strength. So perhaps they... Uh, could be perceived as a threat to those who are now residing in the land. We do see later on that these foreigners did try to discourage them from building the temple. In Ezra chapter 4, in verse 4, it says, Then the people of the land tried to discourage the people of Judah, how they troubled them in the building, and hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, till the reign of uh, Darius, king of Persia. Perhaps the people knew that uh, this opposition might be coming. But the focus is not the fact that there was reason to fear. Notice what the people did. Regardless of what fear they might have, they what? They did what God had commanded them to do. They built the altar and they sacrificed offerings on it. Despite the potential threat, they carried on in obedience to God's covenant commands. They were not going to allow even any potential opposition to stop them from doing what they knew God desired of them. I didn't plan this into my message, obviously, this evening, but it's uh, ironic that the believers in Afghanistan have made a similar kind of statement. We will worship God. We know our lives are potentially threatened. They are threatened and potentially may be cut short, but we will do what God desires of us. Kind of, uh, I wonder, kind of makes in some ways our feelings of... uh, fear with the COVID and all that's going on look kind of silly in some ways, huh? <laughs> As we, we, uh, we are challenged to whether or not we're going to continue on with what God wants us to do and worship him, or we're going to let the fear of perhaps being sick, perhaps dying, cause us to, to not meet, to not worship. 
here we see the people of God carrying on despite any potential opposition, regardless of the fact that they may be opposed, they may be uh, threatened, their very lives, they continue on. What a wonderful example that is to us today. Look now with me at verse 7. It says, They also gave money to the masons and the carpenters and the food, drink, and oil to the people of Sidon and Tyre to bring cedar logs from Lebanon to the sea, to Joppa, according to the permission which they had from Cyrus, king of Persia. Now, if you look back a few verses, we didn't go into the details of all of the offerings that are being offered and the festivals being celebrated, but uh, we'll leave that for another time. The important aspect that we're trying to pull out this evening is that they obeyed God's word. Whatever that entailed for them, it looks somewhat different for us today. We don't have the same kind of offerings, uh, or we don't offer the same kind of burnt offerings or that kind of thing, but we do have God's word that prescribes the kind of way in which he desires us to worship him. However, back to verse 7, we see here that uh, the people not only begin to restore worship in Jerusalem, but they also begin to set in place the the needed uh, materials and needed work and help to restore also the temple in which they could worship their God. Now, we noted last time that uh, let me back up to verse 6 just for a moment. That they did all of these things, the, the offerings and the festivals, despite the fact that the foundation of the temple of the Lord had not even been laid yet. And for a note of application last time, we mentioned that um, in our day and age, we are not required, in one sense, to be here to worship God. Now, we know that uh, according to Hebrews... We are to assemble together and do that. But we also have the opportunity to worship God no matter where we are. Whether there's a building or it's been burnt to the ground, we can still worship God together as his people. And remember that. We don't know what the days and years may bring, but we may not have a building, but that's okay. We can still worship. And that is pleasing to him. So beginning in verse 7, then, we see the beginning of the restoration of not just the worship of God, but the place of worship. Now, uh, there was a period of preparation that needed to take place for for building the temple foundation. We see that the actual work of the temple building did not take place until a few months later. Verse 8 tells us that it was not until the second month of the second year that the actual work on the building began. You may ask, well, why the delay of seven months after the altar was built? Well, uh, simply put, they had to get organized. (laughs) They had to uh, put in their order, so to speak, on lumber and begin to, uh, to collect and gather the necessary building materials. The wood came from Lebanon, shipped along the coast to Joppa, and then carried to Jerusalem, where they would then construct the temple of God. Lebanon was, of course, we know, well known for its cedar forests and its fine 
woodworkers. Interestingly, the first temple that was built under Solomon's leadership some 430 years earlier, Solomon also received much of his building materials from Lebanon as well. Solomon uh, also began his project in the second month of that year, and we see in 1 Kings 6.1, the same month in which this rebuilding began under Zerubbabel. We won't get to this this evening, but later on in Ezra, uh, we will note this, though, that the, the elders of the city, that is the older ones, uh, though rejoicing at the fact that the temple was rebuilt, also mourned at the fact that it was nothing like what it was before. However, despite that very fact that maybe it was paled in comparison, the fact is this, restoration of worship had taken place. And that is a significant manner uh, thing to mention. I pray that as we consider our worship, that we would never fall into the kind of disobedience that the Israelites did, leading to their own captivity as God judged them for their disobedience. Rather, there would be no need for restoration of worship. Rather, as the church, we would continue on steadfast as prescribed by God in his word. Perhaps on a personal level, though, there are areas in which we need to restore our worship. Maybe we have not been faithful in our attendance. We have not been faithful in confession of sin, praying together like we are this evening. Maybe there needs to be a personal kind of restoration where we might obey God as he prescribes in his word and not allow potential or even uh, obvious opposition to be an excuse. The people of God, that is Israel, didn't allow that to take place. They did not allow that to become an excuse. We must not allow that to take place either in our lives, and that is my admonition to you this evening. Let's pray as we conclude our time. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the lessons we can glean from it. We pray that your spirit would work and apply the word which has been spoken this evening, your word particularly, into our hearts. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. Trust the Lord will bless you with a good little bit of fellowship here before you leave this evening. If you're online, we thank you for joining us. We hope to see you soon and and get to know you if we haven't yet met you uh, in person. Have a good evening. Good night.